from electronic fuel injection to the power sports toys that fuel your weekends, join Walbro each month for Talk and Shop as we discuss all the machines that make life better. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Talk and Shop by Walbro. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. And today we're joined by none other than Bob McHugh. He's the channel marketing director for Walbro. And Bob and I are going to be chatting outdoor power equipment, market trends, and maintenance tips. Specifically looking at why is it so vague to understand what kind of gasoline you're putting into your equipment. Doesn't make any sense. Bob's here to straighten things out for us a bit. Bob, how are you doing today? I am doing fine. How about yourself, Daniel? I'm great. If you had to rank from a scale of 1 to 10, how often would you say you get frustrated by the fact that <laughs> your, uh, you know, in your industry, the fuel that's being provided is often some of the vaguest stuff on the market? <laughs> well, currently, Daniel, we're kind of safe in that most stations are dispensing E10. And it's difficult for the consumer to know that, although it is what they're buying. What is getting complicated is, I just read an article, and even with the government shutdown, the EPA is saying they're going to come out by mid-year with new legislation that could allow E15, which is 15% ethanol fuel, to be sold in essence year-round. Today, there is a period between June 1st and September 15th when uh, in high smog areas, they could only sell E10. So stations don't want to change over from E10 to E15 and then rebadge for you know the balance of the year. So they choose to only sell E10. Well, if the government allows E15 to be sold during this high smog season, all customers could be buying E15, which for outdoor power equipment, for marine applications, and even my wife's hybrid automobile, when you open that gas cap, it has E15-E85 with a big red circle around it and the slash through it. That's a problem if people don't understand what they're buying because it's difficult to find those warnings on the pump of what you're purchasing. Right. Well, and I mean, when we're talking about putting that kind of fuel in your car versus putting it in your whatever your outdoor power equipment, uh, I mean, you, obviously the power equipment is probably a little cheaper. And I'm not saying that you should go around putting whatever in your power equipment. But when you're talking about your car, I mean, I feel like that is where people should really be knowing what they're putting in their car, right? I mean, it's an expensive piece of equipment, and it's, <laughs> it's often your sole form of transportation from point A to point B. And I guess it's, um, it's a little confusing that the information on what kind of fuel am I putting in my vehicle is, is so vague and really not that informative for your average consumer. Why do you think it is like that? Well, you, you raise an interesting point, but what people don't think of is that you fill your car typically once a week, let's say. You know, you, you've driven 250 miles, and that's about the range in your car. So you are filling that tank, and you are burning off anything that gets accumulated, which ethanol is hygroscopic. It's hygro. Everyone thinks it's hydro. It actually absorbs water. 
So what happens is, as you are constantly burning through the fuel in your car, oh, by the way, that water that is absorbed drops to the bottom of the tank through a thing called phase separation. So you are actually getting more of a slug of water when you're initially running your automobile. But because you're constantly filling it, you're running that through the system. Think of your outdoor power equipment. How often do you fill your lawnmower, your chainsaw, your boat, etc.? These items sit for long periods of time, and guess where they sit? In hot conditions. So typically they're in your garage. Extreme highs, extreme lows, that leads to condensation. You get that buildup, and that is what you're burning through your engine, along with ethanol being caustic to an engine. It is corrosive. So I was actually wrong. It's the outdoor power equipment that's probably more prone to the failures. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Wow. Well, okay, not good. So let's let's dig into those market trends for outdoor power equipment and specifically dig into uh, the fuel a little bit more. So clarify for me in the audience again, when you're using E15 fuel, you basically you don't want to be using E15 fuel on your outdoor power equipment. Is that right? That's correct. And w the beauty of it is, is that typically the higher the ethanol content, the less expensive the fuel is. So today there are cars, they're called flex fuel cars, and they can take up to E85. There are select stations, but there's select pumps that you get E85 from. At one time, they thought, this would be a very simple thing to do. They would use what's called mixing pumps. And you could walk up and press E10, E15, E25, E85, and the pump itself would mix that and life would be good. They didn't factor in the cost of that. So it's been cost prohibitive. So they, in essence, have to have unique tanks for each of the different fuels. So it, it's back to this thing, the example I always give, my daughter, my wife, would look at the cheapest option and fill their tank. Also, people have heard stories of people putting diesel fuel into their gas cars because all the pumps are the same. It's, it's very confusing and very costly if you make a mistake. Now, marinas, boat marinas, they got it right. They will dispense ethanol-free fuel, which is available, you can find stations, there's websites in your area, ethanol compliant or ethanol free fuel in pick a metropolitan area, and you can find those gas stations. It's expensive. It's obviously expensive if you go to a marina and get gasoline for a boat. But I, w I was at one outdoor power equipment dealer and he had no ethanol-free gasoline, because companies sell ethanol-free fuel. They're packaged in quarts. It's very expensive. He didn't have it. And I said, why don't you sell ethanol-free fuel? He said, look down the road. There was a marina. So they send everybody down to the marina to fill their one-gallon can of gasoline with ethanol-free fuel. So if E15 fuel is pretty generally regarded as something you shouldn't be using for outdoor power equipment. Why are you still seeing consumers use it? Is the education around it pretty poor? Well, it is poor, but at this point, 
there's only 1% of the stations that offer it. I think there's 122,000 gasoline stations in the United States. Gotcha. I think the number was 1,430 currently offer E15. So it's not out there. The point remains when it comes, the consumers will not be educated. Uh, Outdoor Power Equipment Institute has for years put hang tags on equipment. And it says, um, think before you pump or something is their tagline. And, you know, like all hang tags put on equipment, people take, rip them off, throw them away, never read them. And this was an initiative to get people thinking of the ethanol content that they're putting into that piece of equipment. That will get to be much more prevalent with E15. Today, Walbro, you know, the, the majority of the calls we get are customers who say, why can't you make your equipment work with E10? And actually it can, but it's the every season, every year, that fuel getting worse and worse. Or stations that think they're only selling E10, they can actually have a much higher content of ethanol. We've had parts brought back to us. We'll be at a trade show and somebody will walk up with a piece of equipment, a purge bulb, a diaphragm that's been eaten away. And E10 will not do that. Much higher ethanol content will. So you just, you don't know what you're getting. So you have to rely on it's going to be close to E10. Okay. So we're not getting E15 or at least it's not very accessible right now, which is good. I mean, if, if it's a problem, then it's a good thing that it's not being put in the hands of consumers Correct. because if the education around it is poor, then at least, okay, we want just less accessibility to it. Um, though the current administration is actually pushing to allow the sale of E15 year-round, and currently the EPA blocks the sale of that fuel during the summer months when smog is most problematic um, and, you know, gas stations Correct. switch back and forth between the two fuels. So why are you seeing a push right now to bring E15 to more people to actually make it more accessible if it's pretty well known that it's kind of useless when you're when you're actually using it on outdoor power equipment? Well, it goes back to the renewable energy initiative that I think the original George Herbert Walker Bush kicked off in, I think it was 95. And back then, if you remember, all you ever heard about was the amount of oil that the country, the United States, was importing. Yeah. We don't hear that anymore. And the reason we don't hear it is because now by using 10% ethanol plus Think of how many more miles per gallon your car gets. You've got hybrid cars. You've got full-on electric. The country is using much less oil. So you've got two different groups who are fighting. The farmers, the corn producers, want more ethanol. Therefore, they're selling more bushels of corn for ethanol consumption. The oil producers say, we want to keep the ethanol out of the fuel so that people are using more oil because they're not selling as much because of how much more efficient the cars are. So it's really, it's a big political debate and you and I are not getting into the politics of it. We just care about what is best for our customers. 
hold on. Let, just to clarify, are you saying that E15 fuel and higher is is supposedly more, um, uh, I guess, a- energy conscious or more more green than the lower ethanol content? It, it's actually perceived as being more green. The cars okay. will run cleaner. Okay. But shockingly, what will end up happening if you burn E85 fuel, you will save money on your per gallon purchase of, of a tank of gasoline, but you get less miles from that tank of gas. It almost ends up being a wash. So you fill your car and it says you're going to get 300 miles on that tank of gas. Well, your car doesn't know the ethanol content at that point, but you'll start burning it quicker with a higher ethanol content. So you're, you end up getting less miles. You paid less for the gas but it actually ends up a wash. I do think you get higher horsepower. So I think some people like it because their car will run as if it's it's got more oxygen in it. So it's going to burn cleaner and it's going to burn hotter and faster. But it is it is really a political hot button in that the president, I think in the state of Iowa, promised more ethanol. So He's trying to deliver on that promise. All right. So obviously we're seeing kind of a dichotomy here. This fuel, when you're looking at E10, this is what is best for outdoor power equipment. It's what is just best for the engines and consumers should be informed that that's the way to go. But then when you look at the alternatives, you're looking at E15 through E85, um, they often aren't as good for that equipment, but they're perceived as being greener. So what should the step forward here for, I guess, the manufacturing industry for this outdoor power equipment, what should that step forward be? Uh, Should they be finding ways to make E10 more accessible and make it, you know, the standard and educate people on, hey, you should use this fuel? Or should the industry push more towards, okay, let's use this fuel that might be greener um, and let's make our equipment operate on that fuel? I guess what what is the balance here and who makes those kind of decisions? Well, the decision will be made by the government what right. fuel is going to be widely available. Let's assume it's going to be E15 because that's the way I would see it going. Um, It's just going to come down then to education to say this will hurt your equipment. It manufacturers will say it will void your warranty. Automobile manufacturers are saying the same thing, that if your car says, you know, no E15 and you're burning it, your warranty will be void. And it all comes down to education. But Again, you've never seen an ad for any company saying don't use anything more than E10 because the companies don't have enough money just to target what fuel to put in the product. Manufacturers are going to push their equipment. They're going to say buy the latest ZTR mower or buy this string trimmer. It's you know better. It'll start easier. None of them are going to take the time then to say, and oh, by the way, use E10, and if it's not available, we will sell a quart of fuel, or there's many manufacturers, VP fuel, true fuel, that sell ethanol-free fuel. It's available at all the home and garden stores and Ace Hardware, etc., but you're looking at $7.99 a quart. 
something 599 to 799 and all the manufacturers have their own private label fuel as well echo and steel and husqvarna and we have looked at it and we've gone another route with offering fuel treatment which as we talk maintenance then we can get into that yeah well i'm glad you brought that up because really i think that's that is a very different but a very focused business decision to instead of get into the whole fuel game which seems to be kind of tumultuous and hard to predict you get into the fuel maintenance game now you are i mean basically saying no matter what fuel you use i mean we recommend you use this but you could use the worst possible fuel we're gonna provide um you know products that will help you keep your equipment up to date keep your equipment running efficiently and you know hopefully if you're using atrocious fuel that shouldn't be used on your equipment at least our stuff is going to help make that a little better um so tell me a little bit about walbro's decision to go more in that route to provide um, those fuel system kits, and then also how Walbro educates their consumers on the right kind of fuel to use. Because I'm sure y'all are gonna have better business if you you know educate your consumers on using the right fuel, and if they're actively thinking about how do I keep my outdoor power equipment up to date, how do I keep it running, then you know they're gonna want to have the right tools. Could be Walbro's tools to help make that happen. Correct. Well, and this goes back, it's been about two and a half years ago where Walbro introduced a carburetor and fuel system cleaner, something we should have done years ago, but traditionally we have offered repair kits or complete carburetors, etc. As I like to say, we service what we sell. And we realized that there's a huge market for consumable items, be it oil, be it gas additives, be it cleaners, be it spark plugs that people are replacing on a routine basis. So we entered the carburetor and fuel system cleaner with a unique formula. Our CEO is, he's very hard on us of, we are not gonna be a me too. So we introduced a carburetor and fuel system cleaner that is not only just a cleaner, but it also is a lubricant, and that was very well received in the market. Um, we've had very good feedback from the dealers. Some good, some pricing, you know, your price was a little too high. We worked on our pricing model. We've then come out with a dealer-only formula that is stripped down, no lithograph can, paper label, not a fancy nozzle. So we're doing everything to try to keep all people happy and and, and like I say, it's like when you walk into a professional kitchen and they have a huge bottle of Pam spray and it says, you know, kitchen use only. We did the same thing. Down and dirty, offer it only to the dealers. We sell it only in full case. So out of that, then we did some focus group studies and found that by coupling that carbon fuel system cleaner with a fuel treatment, which that is really that critical item. And we were we were blessed to be introduced to a company that uh, had some existing formulas that are used actually in other markets, and they would work with us on a unique formula, again, at the CEO's insistence. And we settled on using a scent in the treatment. We picked a pine scent. And 
And we looked at no end of different formulas and smells. And what these focus groups said was they love when they're done mowing their lawn, the smell of cut grass and the smell of cut pine trees. Think of a Christmas tree. Mm, my favorite and smell, honestly. It, exactly. <laughs> so I, I love when I put my lawnmower away and I smell the cut grass sitting in the corner of the garage, which is really the wet grass I should be cleaning out from under the deck. <laughs> right. Well, we, we tried wet grass and that didn't work, so we settled on the evergreen scent. And it's, it's actually very interesting. You can smell it in the exhaust. It tells you it's working. It tells you it's in there. And it also... Your gas can, which unfortunately is also always giving off a slight smell, you can smell it in the garage. Not that much because most of your fuel cans today are much better at the evaporative emissions. So um, so what we've done, we've come up with a consumer kit. We have a three-piece kit that includes a four-ounce bottle of the scented fuel treatment a 6.25-ounce can of the carburetor and fuel system cleaner, and an 8-ounce power equipment duster. And that duster is no different than that can of duster you use on your computer. Same company, our name on it. And frankly, what we found was many of the homeowners don't have a compressor. So when you start cleaning your equipment, what's the first thing you do? Hit it with compressed air, be it from an air compressor or, in this case, Walbro's Power Equipment Duster. So that's one kit. That's a generic kit that we can sell through mass merchants. We can sell through the 10,000 outdoor power equipment dealers, and it can be sold to anybody. Then we also went one step further through a partnership with a spark plug manufacturing company to offer Walbro branded spark plugs. Walbro builds millions of ignition systems a year for the outdoor power equipment. Makes complete sense we should be offering a spark plug. We'll work that through on the original equipment side, but right now we're launching spark plugs for the high volume applications, your overhead valve engines for ground support product, your high volume string trimmers, chainsaws, leaf blowers. So we take those same three items in that kit, the four ounce fuel treatment, the 6.25 ounce carbon fuel system cleaner, the eight ounce duster, and we add a spark plug. Now that you have to know your existing spark plug, be it an NGK or a champion, we cross it. There you go with your spark plug and now you've got a complete fuel system kit. Well, so, I mean, it sounds like you're basically providing everything that <laughs> that anyone's going to need, and um, it's it's encouraging to see that you take pride in the education side of things um, and in the responsiveness of your products. I mean, the fact that a consumer can know point blank that hey, this is working, I can literally smell it working, is is valuable and important. And I think something that often gets gets left out of some of these maintenance products is that you know you just have to assume it's doing its job. This way, you get indicators it's doing its job. Um, are there any other initiatives that Walbro takes to educate consumers on uh, right fuel usage just beyond your kits? Well, we have an active video program where we're recording videos on a regular basis. We have our own YouTube channel that you can go into. Our website 
Uh, one video that was produced about five years ago, I think has, haven't looked at the number, but it's 750, 780,000 views. That is a massive number. It averages 500 views a day, which it's just staggering. And it's a very long video that goes through all the maintenance of different Walbro carburetors. People love it. And now we're learning, you know, now we're basically doing two, three minute snippets of quick, you know, you want to find out how to set your metering lever height or uh, clean your fuel bowl in a float carburetor. So we're fine tuning it. I mean, we truly are an industrial company and these are really phase shifts for the company to go out and sell things that we don't sell, meaning these consumable items. Next item would be air filters. What you find, unlike automobiles today, you don't change your spark plugs in your automobiles. You, you change your air filter, et cetera. But we're going to offer all of these parts to the consumers for their outdoor power equipment, their power sports, ATVs, UTVs, snowmobiles, marine engines, etc. And we have a wonderful distributor network. We still sell through distributors who then sell to those outdoor power equipment dealers because we do not have the bandwidth to sell to those outdoor power equipment dealers. We do have an online store where consumers can purchase knowing they're getting Walbro product. As everyone knows, the internet, it's the wild, wild west for selling. You know, we get people calling saying, okay, I bought this repair kit off uh, eBay and I know it's yours. And we talk them through and say, oh, it actually is not. And you feel bad because they can, other companies can use our part numbers, but it has to say replaces Walbro. Well, they just see Walbro in that key part number, a K10-WAT. They buy it, and guess what? They did not get original equipment product. So, Bob, to actually wrap things up, I want to talk about something a little more timely, and it's something that I don't think any of us were able to avoid, either because we were living it or because we were seeing it in the news, but this polar vortex Definitely chilled us to the bone, pun very intended. Um, I mean, those negative temperatures were appalling. And not only did it have a big effect on businesses and just on general productivity, but it had a very tangible effect on the outdoor power equipment market, mostly because you know not only are we seeing consumers finally bring out their snow throwers and put them to work, but we're entering springtime season, so people are looking to get hold of, you know, their lawnmowers and any other gardening or um, lawn maintenance equipment. So it kind of hit at the worst possible time because everyone is headed to the store now to either purchase something proactively or reactively. How did you see this polar vortex more tangibly affect the outdoor power equipment market? Give us your personal insights. Yeah, you, Daniel, you pretty much hit right on it. Born and raised in Michigan. Thankfully, I live in Arizona. I know you're in Dallas, so uh, we sit very far away kind of watching all this play out. But um, Dan Weingart, who operates Weingart's Outdoor Power in Detroit area, 
he hit the nail right on the head. The landscape companies are pulling out their equipment, meaning their lawnmowers, their ZTR mowers, their trimmers, their leaf blowers, getting them ready for spring and the vortex hits. And now everybody who has really not maintained or been able to use their snow throwers, they are running them in to get work done. Well, obviously they have to set aside that spring work and get these people with their snow throwers back. And it's, it's not just getting the engine started. It's, it's making sure the augers are working properly. So it all again comes down to maintenance and making sure in the fall when you're taking your snow thrower to put away, you are either topping the fuel tank off, putting a fuel treatment in, let's use that Walbro scented fuel treatment, or the other school of thought, some people will empty the tank completely. Getting all those things done, greasing, oiling, um, cleaning any rust off of that piece of equipment, have it put away, ready to go. Same thing with the uh, putting the equipment away. And there's different seasons. You know, people are putting away their leaf blowers, or I'm sorry, their string trimmers and their lawnmowers as the leaf blowers and the chainsaws are coming out. So it's that constant maintenance and making sure you've got a maintenance log this industry, unlike your car, you don't get notified of, you know, their, your car is due for now what, a 7,500 to 10,000 mile oil change. That's not the case in this industry. You have to be diligent. You have to do it yourself and just make sure you are doing those maintenance items. Wal Walbro has the complete, complete library of videos. Watch them, follow them. Keep track on a sheet of paper in your garage what you're doing so you remember, did I change the spark plug? Did I change the air filter? Did I treat the fuel? And you'll, you'll be much happier when you need that piece of equipment. And, I mean, as we approach this season, which is going to be big on outdoor power equipment, uh, I think it's extra important for companies like Walbro to find ways to educate consumers on right fuel use, right maintenance. Um, it's definitely a, a critical time. Um, I mean, the market will continue to grow. Uh, I think this is this is that hot market time for the outdoor power equipment industry. So definitely got to keep our eyes to the ground and find ways to keep customers informed because not only will they be appreciative, but that'll turn around to more loyal customers and, uh, you know, a, a more positive base of people to purchase your products. So I'd really like to thank you, Bob, for joining us on the podcast, giving us your insight on this. Um, it was great to learn a little bit more about issues surrounding E10, E15 fuel, um, the political nature of some of that stuff, and really just looking at why is such a, why now is such an important time to be educating your consumers. Perfect. And thank you very much for having me, Daniel. And thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of Talk and Shop. And if you'd like to listen to previous episodes or find some of Walbro's other content, you can head to walbro.com slash blog, and there you'll find all of their delicious content. You can also head to marketscale.com slash industries for some other Walbro and transportation industry-related content. You can head to marketscale.com slash industries and subscribe to previous podcasts, articles, and video content from your favorite industries. And make sure to leave a rating and a comment wherever you're listening to your podcast content. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Till next time.